Please be seated. In the time of snow, in the time of sleep, the rivers themselves changed into links of white iron holding everything. Mary Oliver's poem holds the winter out there in an imaginary spell, and we are faced with the simple reality that is our situation. Nothing we can do about the white iron rivers outside, about the vastness of the snow. That's the state we're in, just in the middle of it. Now, our readings today are full of tough words. And Jesus talking about eye gouging and arm lopping, we'll have to wait for another day, but suffice it to say that the subject will be hyperbole, and the subject will be little thoughts can turn into big ones unless we recognize them. But the reading from Sirach echoes the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy in which Moses gives his last speech, his last will and testament, a long speech in his 121st year to the people as they prepare to cross the Jordan into the promised land without him. There's no state, so it can't be the state of the state. There's no union. It can't be the state of the union, but there is a covenant, a covenant made by God with all humanity forever. And Moses reiterates that covenant for the people. It's a state of the covenant review or a state of the faith address, Moses' last word. So he has gone from let my people go to O ye of little faith to thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart to Lord have mercy on them. And now Moses is at the end of the trail in this talk. And as we would with a dying colleague or comrade with a dying loved one or with a mysterious pilgrim we knew was going to leave or with our children as they're still small. We want to catch every word and listen, for he will be gone. In Moses' case, it's an awful lot of words, but we want them. And the story is of Israel's wandering and enslavement, which is like a snow and a sleep, like a winter for them because their reality is unchangeable when they're enslaved. Their reality is unchangeable when they're wandering. And life for them lies entirely in the future, as it does for us. Life is in the future. But the problem is the only information we have is about the past. And so the future is a frustrating, risky, and scary situation. The famous writer Kierkegaard once said, yeah, life can be understood only backwards, but it can only be lived forwards. So all we really know is that the future is coming, and our only strategy is to to try and understand the past that we might live. This is what Moses is trying to do for the people. They've been, as it were, asleep and dreaming. One more from Mary Oliver. She writes, All night the dark buds of our dreams open, richly. And in the center of every petal is a letter. And you imagine if you could only remember and string all those letters together, they would spell the answer. Moses is trying to spell the answer 
written by the people in their dreams, dreams dreamt during the long linked iron winters of enslavement and exile. In the world of Alcoholics Anonymous and 12-step spirituality, you often hear recovery spoken of as a breaking free of a petrifying pattern. Breaking free, a diseased soul will break free when it ceases to look forward to the past and regret the future. This is what Moses is saying. Turn about. Choose life. I offer you life and death, blessings and curses, prosperity and adversity. Choose life. I'm left-handed, so life is over here on the left. My cousin the other day sent me an uh, email, an internet link to a TV news story last week about his daughter, who's in 10th grade, Harriet. Harriet weighs about 100 pounds, and she is as pretty as a picture. She also is the 103-pound weight class member of the high school wrestling team. And they interviewed her on television, and the person asked her, well, what do you, what do you have to say about the oddity of this situation you're in as you wind your ponytail and put it under your wrestling cap to go out there and... Uh, and wrestle high school. And she said, well, I don't really think about it a lot. I just love the sport. She's choosing, she's choosing life. There, there's the writer, Andrew Simers, who talks about compassion, and he says, treat everyone you come across with compassion and respect, even people who are rude to you and people who are disappointing to you. Treat them with compassion and respect because how you treat people is not a reflection on them. It's a reflection of you. Choose life. Now, if you're here tomorrow at 11 in the morning, you'll be in time for a funeral service for Grace Pierce, one of our beloved communicants from Brentland Woods. And Grace... Grace chose life. Whenever she wasn't ill, she was bustling around doing things for people, and she will be greatly missed. She was a true and gentle saint who chose to help wherever and as long as she could. Never was there a more aptly named person than Grace. Sometimes these Old Testament stories, sometimes the New Testament stories, like what Julie read from Matthew today, are troubling. We're thrown off by them. We're put off them by them. We're ticked off by them. The sense that God is purposefully planning and poised to bring destruction on those who fail to be perfect. But the stories make a lot more sense in the full light and resurrection of Christ. When Jesus' life is self-described by him as fulfilling the law, let's understand this is not a a bunch of regulations. The point is that the life of Christ will illuminate the stories, these troubling texts for us, and enable us to make sense of them, to redirect our desires towards living into them, to help us choose life. And that is the power of grace that helps us choose life. Grace alone enables us to say, to sing, as we just did with the psalmist, oh, that my ways might be steadfast, might be steadfast. 
instead of what we are likely to sing, which is, oh, that I might not be caught, cornered, and condemned by the compromises and connivances that I do with God's program. Grace alone allows us to break free of a living death, which is a slow process of giving ourselves what doesn't matter. Grace alone allows us to break free of what St. Augustine described sin as making things that are modest goods into the most important goals of our lives. It's not that they're bad. It's just not that they're central and must never be central. It's an ambitious undertaking, sure. But our ambition is fueled by grace. More is expected of those living under grace than living under law. You don't have to. You get to. So what would Jesus have us understand? Perhaps just this, that God is love. And choosing love is choosing life. Following the precepts of love is by definition being blessed. Obeying the commandments of love will always result in spiritual prosperity, no matter what this worldly life may hand us. The speech of Moses is not a list of threats. It's a list of promises. And if, like Harriet, we choose what we love, if, like Andrew, we turn away wrath with a soft answer, if, like Grace, we hustle and bustle wherever we are and as long as we can, love will reward us. These are the only rules of the game, the only rules of the games we play in the fields of the Lord. The choice is forever ours. So as the Hebrews say, l'chaim, to life, l'chaim. Amen.